0: Welcome to In Between the Pages of Life podcast, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories that are sometimes heard, but yet unseen. Take a seat and listen with your hosts, Nadia Rose and K-Noel.
1: everyone welcome back to another episode of in between the pages of life i am nadia the rose and today we have not one but two special guests so my co-host today is not k noel he is out attending to other business today so my co-host will be Liv. Liv, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hey
2: guys, as she mentioned, I am Liv. I'm Ken Noel's wife. Um, I will just be um, sitting in in his place for today.
1: And as promised, we have licensed professional counselor, Andrea Horbrook, back today for part two of our mental health check-in, the election edition. I know you've already introduced yourself but just for the sake of those who might've missed that last episode, can you go back in and give us a brief introduction?
3: Sure, Uh, thanks for having me again. My name is, um, as Nadia LaRo stated, Andrea Forbrook, a licensed professional counselor, licensed in two states. And I'm just excited to be here. I love helping Christians achieve mental stability, removing shame and guilt and walking in their complete wholeness and in their gifts and calls.
1: Awesome, and we are so glad to have you back. We are honored that you made the time to be with us. our last episode we were waiting on the election results and they are finally in it is official joseph biden will be our next president kamala harris who is the first female vice president the first african asian american woman vice president So that is just a huge deal. Um, We don't have to get into who everyone voted for, but I will go on and say I voted for Biden. I was very excited when he won and I look forward to these next four years. I'm very excited about the progress that I truly believe he's going to bring to this country. Now, with that being said, just because the president changed doesn't mean that our day-to-day life or what people have been experiencing necessarily changed overnight. So I just want to ask your professional opinion on it. Do you think that America is ready to remove racism.
3: I think that is a big a big act as far as like being able to remove racism It has been something that's actually I believe is like it's ingrained. And to our constitutions, it's made it may be hidden, but in a land where it says you know we're all equal and the land of the free, it, it wasn't really meant to be the land of the free. It's free for some, and we know that generational you know racism and things of that nature. It's just something that is always going to be. I I was actually pondering this question as far as if racism will ever like lifts it lifts its head. I I honestly don't think so, and I know that that's sad to say, but in a land where there is so much wickedness and a land where there's so much turmoil. I always think there's always going to be somebody opposing someone else for the color of their skin or their economic status. There's always going to be some injustice as it relates to somebody preferring another, you know, whether it's for you having blue eyes or I'm being a lighter, a darker skin tone or you being a lighter skin tone. Like it's always going to be something opposing within the nature of just how life is. I don't know. Oh, I know why. Because Satan and his deception with Eve, that's why y'all. So um, there's always <laughs> going to be something. I am going to just keep real. There's always going to be something. And because of that fall that happened in the Garden of Eden, you know, sin is on, on the land. As long And as long as sin is on the land, there's always going to be that evil or that unrest and that injustice of racism. So there was a study uh, done. I believe her name is Jane. I hope her name is Jane. I think her name is Jane. But basically, you guys can look it up. It was a study done based off of eye color, right? So uh, she had everybody come into a room, and if you had brown eyes, you're going to one room. If you had blue eyes, you're going to another room. And the long, the long story short was that the individuals that have blue eyes they begin to uh, create like their own culture within the room and how the individuals who have blue eyes they begin to like oh, well, you guys sit to the back, you guys get the lunch and and basically start to get them very unfair treatment. And just based off eye color, right, it just shifted everybody. And then by the end of the day, it was actually known that the people with brown eyes thought they were better than the people with blue eyes. You know, well, just within a couple of hours, there's a really good study that was done. But I mean, if I can find that, who actually did that study, I'll go ahead and, um, you know, share that with you guys. But yeah, I, long story short, I don't believe racism will ever.
1: Doorway. Okay, okay, okay. I like that. To back that up with study, now I do want to ask, because that was such a broad question, do I? Do you believe that racism will ever go away? Now I want to ask, similar to that question, do you believe that America will ever be in a place where systematic racism doesn't exist? And I do want to clarify that systematic racism and just racism on an individual case are very different. So just give me your opinion on that, your professional opinion on that.
3: Right, well, I don't believe systematic racism will even go away or institutional racism will go away. I mean, I I don't wanna say that it won't go away. I think that this new generation, we're being able to of like come together more and fight on various social justice issues and, and be able to like come together for change but the system again wasn't made for us so that systematic injustice and racism i think is always going to be there institutional racism is always going to be there to a certain extent but as believers what we can do is just understand the culture understand what's going on but not allow it to impact our faith and not allow it to stop us and slow us down. So to answer your question as far as systematic racism that's weaving within the systems of life, I don't think that that's going to change too much either. And that honestly, it doesn't really matter who's in office, you know, whether it's a liberal or uh, conservative. I don't really think that matters as well. So, um, and then also the individuals with that, that did that experiment, her name is Jane Elliott. She conducted the experiment too.
1: Okay, thank you. So if our listeners want to go back and do a little bit more research on it, like I do, now they have a little bit more to go off of. Now, I will say, I don't have as much information on the study that she did because it was something that I briefly read over, but there is a study. They have now proven that Trauma can be passed down genetically. It's in your cells. That has been proven. So the study is on um, trying to say this the most mm-hmm. politically correct way that I can. They are doing a study to see if basically being psychotic or a sociopath or whatever you want to call oppressors, can be passed down from generation to generation. Um, Just like trauma has been proven to pass down, they're now trying to see is that um, slave owner, I don't want to call them, well you're the professional, you give me the word to call, call them. Well, uh, so we talked about it a little bit, uh, not not
3: on this instrument, but just in my class. It's called intergenerational trauma. So intergenerational trauma is just that it's trauma that's passed down throughout the generations and how it affects the descendants as far as like in their health and uh, general well-being and it negatively affects like psychiatric symptoms, allowing people to become more vulnerable to stress and other like negative things and it can erode your telemeters and that's related to your longevity of life and these are the nature. So you. Yeah, that intergenerational trauma is a real thing. And we, we've always like knew it, but we didn't necessarily have the language to express it. You know what I'm saying? So it is something that could help. It, it, it's something that could negatively impact you as it relates to being more vulnerable to stress and more vulnerable to psychiatric sim- symptoms.
1: Okay, so yeah, that's that's the first half of what I was saying. I don't want to call them psychotic, but you got to be a certain kind of psychotic to believe that you can own another human being. So, the study is they are trying to see if that psychotic behavior from slave owners could also be passed down genetically. Is that why... Historically, domestic terrorists have been Caucasian because they are of um, slave owner descent. If you, if well, you will,
3: I don't know the specific research on that. As far as if <laughs> if your if your great 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 grandfather owned owned slaves and he was a little deranged, you know, and he might have been a KKK, does that mean that you're more predisposed to? those types of psychiatric or psychological dysfunction.
1: Now, before we go far, I want to not necessarily all slave owners or KKK members. I'm talking about the exceptionally crazy, the ones that took their slaves and made furniture out of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because you definitely, know, definitely uh, deranged. Yeah, not just I have slaves picking cottons. I'm like the people that ate their slaves. Like you, the exception, oh. because you know, in that study about trauma being passed down, it wasn't necessarily. Being a slave wasn't enough to pass the trauma down. You had to be a slave who was beaten or um, watch someone be beaten or raped. You know, it just wasn't the fact that you were a slave and you're traumatized, Um, just from what I was reading. You had to, you know, something had to happen to traumatize you and pass it down. So I mean the exceptional crazy, not just the everyday psychotic slave owner, just exceptional. okay, so yeah, I...
3: (laughs) don't, I don't, I don't even even know. I don't know. You got me on that one, Nadia Rose. I I don't even know how to respond to that one as far as like the exceptional Doreen, like the Charl Manson type.
1: Yeah. I'm curious because if you can pass down trauma, you know, and they haven't completed the study yet. So I'm really excited. It's going to be a few more years. I think they were saying five more years before they can come out with something. But I'd be
3: interested to see the
1: uh, results of that, cause yeah, I, I couldn't even answer that one. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we'll uh, when they post it, I'll get back and you yes, know contact and let you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, while we're on trauma um, being passed down, do you think that just over the years, and not even going back to slavery, but say over the last. 60 years, maybe 60, even push it back to 70. Do you think that the way the African-American community has been treated, do you think that that is passing down mental generational curses? Um, I'm not specifically sure about
3: mental generational curses, but as you were talking it's passing down lack of trust. When we think mm. about research and um, in individuals, you know, specifically from uh, the African American culture, even just the Latina culture or any minorities to that matter, just the lack of trust as it relates to research. Even now, for individuals who potentially might sign up to get the COVID vaccinations, you don't see black people saying, oh, sign me up. No, just from like the, the things that okay. happen. <laughs> right from like the things that happened with uh, Tuskegee, you know that whole syphilis thing, you know, like like that it distrust is. has that this um, distrust has been just kind of like passed down. So I don't know about specific uh, psychological things. But I know trust has been, uh, lack of trust has been passed down for sure. And Henrietta Lacks, I don't know specifically if you guys have heard of her, but they used her sales unknowingly, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's just, I think that's a big part of it is that we don't really trust too many people as we As results in like medicine and mental health. And even now there's a stigma with mental health within the African-American community, you know? you wonder why a lot of black people don't see therapists and oh i just talked to big mama or big mama just always told me to shake it off and just just go with the flow or just you know put your boots on and and you know put your big girl panties on and just keep it moving so it's almost as if we have been embedded to not deal with our stuff and just keep it moving and i think as a result of not dealing with our stuff and pushing it under the rug then yeah, psychological things could come happen as far as like depression and you not knowing how to handle your stress levels and you having anxiety and don't know where it comes from but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to deal with it. You know, even when it comes to like molestation within the African-American community um, and rape and, and things of that nature, like I think the lack of not resolving it and not talking about it has probably led to some of the problems that we see as results to mental health
1: while wow. and I do want to touch on something that you actually reminded me of when you spoke we do talk about things being passed down from generation to generation but I think it's very important that we do acknowledge it's not just a mental thing like it's not just um I African Americans don't trust the government because of slavery. Like, you know, it's not even that far back. Like the Tuskegee, like, you know, what is that? That's like, I don't even think that's great grandparents. That is grandparents for a lot of people. And it's not just like, you know, they're crazy. They don't trust people. Like, no, you continuously show us why not to trust you guys. Like, you know, and, um, I'ma just say it. I know like, you know, Noel gonna be like, I can't even take a break without y'all saying something crazy. I'ma say it. Y'all ever seen, cause it's been popping up on my Instagram feed lately, but y'all ever seen the, um, the Pocahontas movie? The cartoon? Mm -hmm. Liv, I know you have. But it's this one clip, and it's Pocahontas' father. He's talking to his people, and he says something that just just always stick with me. And these white people are dangerous. And look now, not all white people. I'm just saying what Pocahontas father said and it's been popping up on my feed because it's always like a person of Caucasian descent doing something crazy and then you know you can have more than one photo on Instagram now so you can swipe it's the same post but you can just swipe over and then it'll be that clip these white people are dangerous and that's just what it reminded me of not obviously you know um, we're living in a different time not too much different but different enough, you know, it's only 40, 50, 60 years ago, but, you know, different generation. But the youth in the Black community are still listening to the stories from our grandparents. And that's what's being passed down. It's not a figment of our imagination. These are facts. These things happen. Like the whole, um, they're doing the, the Aunt Jamami thing where, you know, she wasn't a slave. But, oh, you didn't hear about that? Oh, girl, Angie Mammy, she, she about to get fired and she ain't even alive no more, mm-hmm. SNL did a cute little skit on it, but basically somebody found out that she was a free woman or she was born a slave and then freed, something of that nature. But they used her her likeness and they made her do commercials and she never got a dime. And to this day, that company is rich. Her family never got a dime. She never got a dime. She died poor. And it's like, Angie Mammy is a a household name. But you know, that's, that's why some people may have a hard time trusting our government, which, you know, people say the government, people say the man, they mean white people, if I'm being honest. And that's just what it is. Yeah, just to kind of talk about a little
3: bit, I think everybody got a little bit crazy, honestly. Do that, You know, in my undergraduate program, we always said that, honestly, on a bad day, that person that you think is just completely sane, they're probably one or two steps away from a bad break. Like, if something happens, I'm pretty sure it'll be traumatizing for the best of us, right? So honestly, I think that anybody can snap at any moment. It's really just by the grace of God that we have our sanity, you know? Um, I remember the old folks always uh, at church, always talking about like, thank God for being in my right mind, you know? Cause mm-hmm. I really think that it's easy to not be in your right mind as a results to so much stress and life and things that's happening, you know? So I think anybody that can have a break, you know? And, and, and we all got a little bit crazy in us. So, you know, all my uh, my white um, Caucasian allies out there, I know y'all all ain't bad, but I really think that just due, to, just due to lack of understanding, you know, we don't take the time to get to know each other, like our Asian-American friends and Latinas and all of the above, like I really don't think we take the time to get to know each other, you know? Or even my Muslim friends, like I have some Muslim friends you know, I think it's just being intentional to bridge the gap and get
1: to know each other. That's very true, that's very true. I'm in a position um, now that I interact with a lot of people from um, a lot of different backgrounds with doing clinicals, cause you just, you know, you never know who walks into the hospital on that day. and congratulations, now they're your patients. So I have been able to get to know people of um, different backgrounds and stuff. And I do believe, you know, like you said, it's just about being intentional. I do know some, um, and (laughs) not to say that they're a um, minority by no means, but they're just a group of people. I do know some um, Trump supporters and, you know, just trying to really get to know their... um, point of view you have to be intentional about it and you have to go in with an open mind I don't or I try not to go in with the thought of wanting to argue but I do I need you to walk me through your process and I think that um, as Americans honestly we're just gonna have to get it together because at this point this is home and this is home for a lot of different people this is home for me this is home for them and we don't get to choose who's comfortable and who's not. And as believers, and even as not non-believers, leave people alone. Like, you know, you, there should never be your intention to cause harm. No matter what you believe in, no matter what that person believes in, do no harm. and. I believe if people just live their life with a little bit more love and a little bit more compassion and grace, you know, we might be able to figure this thing out. But Liv, I wanna hear your viewpoint on it. You've been pretty quiet over there. So are you intentional about learning or getting to know other people from um, a different background or a different race or a different religion from yourself?
2: As far as when it comes to people of different backgrounds, I think it's a good thing that we do learn each other's backgrounds no matter what um, background you come from. Like she said earlier, people pretty much suffer from a lack of knowledge. Uh, the more you know, the better. Mm, <laughs> so that's true. To, for someone to be stuck in, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna just get to know this certain group of people, I think that's kind of limiting yourself from knowing more.
1: That's very true. And now going back to what Andrea said as well, that we're all just a few things from snapping i want to talk a little bit in depth about women in particular because it just seems like well first of all they have their own show now well it's actually been going on for a while y'all ever heard of snapped all right okay okay yeah so you can't see them but they're not in their head yes so, Snap is a TV show and it basically, every episode follows a different woman who was living a normal life. Something happened, something minor, something major. She snapped, somebody died. Like, that is the whole show. The point of the show, there will be a woman, she will snap and she will kill someone. So, from your professional opinion, do you see women snapping more often than men? Ah, uh, snapping more often. Um. I
3: wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that women snap, cause all my feminists out there, they would not appreciate that if I say that women snap more than men. Clinically speaking, uh, who do you see coming to counseling more, women or men? Women, they come to counseling more than men. When you think about individuals who commit suicide, well, individuals, yeah, individuals who die by suicide, I would say research says that men are more successful at it so in, men and women, they both do it, right? But men are more successful at dying of suicide. As it relates to stress and anxiety, who is more prone to, you know, higher levels of stress and anxiety? I would say women. But then you got to think about, there's so many different variations of, you know, you could be the LGBTQ population. So I I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's a clear cut thing anymore as a result to gender as far as is it men or women which one snaps more
1: and now i did want to (laughs) clarify I am not a professional by no means, but I did have to write a paper on the men versus women suicide. And just because you brought that up, it is true that men do die more often by suicide than women do, but that is largely because men tend to take a more um, definite route. So they, They choose to use weapons like a gun. So if that someone found them, it would be very hard to save them. Where women take less violent acts to carry out their suicide, like taking pills, I don't know, any other less violent act. But you know, so that does account for why men have a higher death by suicide rate. So do you know the numbers on whether or not men or women attempt suicide? So are you saying like who attempts suicide more? More often, yeah, because I know men are more successful at it because of the route they choose. Uh, not specifically off the type of my head. I don't know the
3: specific numbers uh, behind that, like who who attempts more suicide, men or women.
1: Okay, I was just curious about that. But is there um, any advice that you would give specifically to women about pertaining their mental health? Yeah, I think...
3: Women, sometimes we we put the family above. I mean, I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't put your family above yourself, but so many times I think we carry a lot. We carry a lot of loads. We try to do it all, but in the midst of doing it all, we lack that self-care we don't take time for us. You know, I think that's the biggest one. You know, we want, we're, we're pleasers by nature, carers by nature, we're nurturers by nature. So, I think it's important that while we're nurturing everyone else, taking time to nurture ourselves but not neglect self, I think it's really big.
1: Okay, so we hear that all the time, like, take a hot bath, go shopping alone, read your favorite book. Do you have any less cliche self-care methods that you would recommend just something that they don't hear all the time that they may not have considered
3: <laughs> see a therapist i don't know if that's a cliche way you know but that ain't really talked about when you talk about self-care you know wow. and, and you'll be surprised that some universities they provide therapy sessions at least two for the community for free because you gotta think about interns, you know, they're going through the process themselves as far as like coming becoming a counselor. So they're looking for clients and they're trained because they're at the end of their program. So if it's a, if it's a issue regarding finances, there's probably a lot of free therapists out there that will be able to see you. I know the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, they have interns and most of our interns, they need clients. Um, That's probably a shameless plug, but they need clients to see, and they provide free sessions, you know, to you during the duration of their program. So non-cliche self-care tip, hack, whatever you want to call it, see a therapist, you know? Wow. Yeah.
1: I like that. I think that is my favorite. That is my new self-care tip, like see a therapist. Wow. Wow, now I have went to marriage counseling, but I've never been to an individual therapist. It honestly may be time. How about you, Liv? Have you ever seen a therapist individually?
2: No, not individually. Pretty much marriage therapist or something like that, but as far as individual for myself, uh -uh. All
1: right, how about you, Andrea? I know Um, you are a counselor, but have you ever went to a therapist? Right, so in our program,
3: we always say
1: that the therapist needs therapy. You
3: gotta think, we see so much trauma, we see so many issues, so we get something called vicarious trauma. It's basically repeated trauma that we hear, see, and it becomes not ours, it doesn't become ours, but by but vicariously, we begin to play out these stories. We begin to, sometimes it begins to come home with us. I have times where I actually was dreaming of clients and I was at home. So it starts to weigh on our own psychological health. So to answer your questions, yes, therapists, they see therapists too. I've seen a therapist before. I remember I was in a bad car accident and I had to go see a therapist. I also remember when I was at my job and I saved two of my clients from dying of suicide. I, I literally saved their lives. I um, helped I helped one not get hit by a train. I helped another not jump out the window. And during that process, it was really traumatizing for me. So I had to go see a therapist. It was a real thing. And I was able to, granted some of the things and techniques that that individual used, I knew already. But it's one thing when you know it, but it's something else when you know how to implement it. So you can know with self-care that you need to do something for you, whether that's taking a hot bath or, you know, going to get your nails done. You can know what to do, but are you implementing it? And that's a lot of things like we fail at the action. We fail at the implementation. We have so many excuses. We have so many reasons why this ain't going to work. Just do it. You know, stop making excuses and, and just try it. You know, if it and if it doesn't work, that's great. At least you could say you tried it.
1: That's true. That's very mm-hmm. that's that's very true. Now I wanna ask you another question. I know I am I y'all this might be my last episode after K Noel here this cause I'm be put off. <laughs> but as believers, and you are a professional and a believer. Would you recommend a person who is seeking therapy to use a pastor, bishop, first lady in lieu of a licensed professional? You have the floor.
3: Why are you doing me like that? Okay. I know. All right. I'm so sorry. You know what? So y'all, I'm gonna be real, and they don't invite me back. That's fine. I'm a PK, right? So I'm a pastor's kid. So my dad technically could see individuals and do counseling, right? You know what, I'm gonna use an analogy. I think that'll be the best thing, right? So if you needed heart surgery, right? Are you gonna go to a dentist or are you gonna go to a heart surgeon? You're gonna go to a heart Mm -hmm. surgeon because that's what they specialize in. So not saying that a dentist doesn't have medical skills. So they have medical skills, right? They just don't have the skill that you specifically need. So they can input, they can like impart wisdom into you. They can impart certain things that will be beneficial, but it's not exactly what you need. So sometimes you just gotta go to the source. So don't get me wrong, Bishop's. Just- pastors, preachers, prophetess, all those individuals are great for the kingdom and they can speak life into your specific needs and the Holy Spirit might download exactly what they need for you in that moment. However, a licensed professional counselor has other specific practical, not saying the Holy Ghost isn't practical because the Holy Ghost is always practical, but the licensed therapist also has a degree of knowledge base, you know, a curriculum base that helps guide their practice. So I hope that answers
1: the question <laughs> girl girl you could be a politician the way you just wrapped that answer on up girl she said i am not getting in trouble with y'all today that wrapped it up beautifully i don't know what i thought you were gonna say to answer that question but girl the way you just oh okay honey you are a professional for real, because you just moved that <laughs> right on over. You got everybody feeling good. Okay, all right. You wiggled your way out of that one. We're going to move on. <laughs> all right. So we've discussed the minorities. We've discussed women. Now I want to talk about a little bit um, our children and what everything going on in the world today, COVID, racism running rampant, the stress of an election. What advice would you give to parents who have young children? And I'm talking, we're going to go 10 and under. All right. So advice. So let me just think. Three things I could tell parents that have,
3: you know, children ten and under. So one, I would say be present. What that looks like is taking time to put the phone down to just engage. I think as parents we multitask a lot, and we lack that ability sometimes just to be present. So I would say be present with your child more, especially during these times so when they don't know what's going on on the TV when they hear that Trump is bad and they just they they think Trump is bad too but really don't know the the reasons why you know cuz I don't think Trump is all bad i think he got uh, he got some um, stretchable qualities right but there are things that he's done that is very detest, you know so let me invite
1: you back for
3: part three this time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, got, I got some things that I very detest, but I think our kids need to know the reasons why, you know, and I don't, I don't think they got that good wisdom. So just being present with your kids, especially with everything that's going on is really important. I would say that would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is giving your child more grades. Think about it, their virtual schooling. Under 10 years old, having a full schedule online, having to switch between classes, having to manage, not being able to see their friends, being home all day, may not be able to go out to see family members or whatever else. They're under their own level of stress. And I think as parents, we need to be attuned to that and give them more grace. So yeah, they didn't clean out the trash. They didn't take the trash out. Or yeah, they may not have cleaned their room. Give them more grace during the season and be attentive to their psychological needs. Know that when your child starts to isolate and they're you know less talkative and things of that nature, maybe they're just not being defiant. It might be something deeper going on that you just need to be able to ask about. And when they say, hey, I don't wanna talk right now or I'm okay, watch their behavior. Don't just watch what they say, but watch what they do. And when you watch what they do, you'll be able to figure out, okay, yeah, no, he's not okay. And no, no, she's not okay. So yeah, I think be more present, give them grace, Trying to think, what else do I implement in my own home? Cause I have a, um, I have a ten year old. Um know that? Yeah, I have a 10 year old. So yeah, those are the two main things that I do. I just give him grace and I'm more present, you know, especially with everything that's going on. When George Floyd happened, I was I was on a call with my students and I heard somebody post something on social media and I didn't know what they posted. And I just went to go see a picture of it and instantly I was just taken back. And in that moment, I had to, a part of me didn't want to show my son, but as a black young man, he's 10, but he looks like, you know, he's tall. He looks like he could be 12. So usually, you know how sometimes our young men, they, they look older than what they appear. Like with Trayvon Martin, you look older than what you appear. So I thought as the mom, it was my job to inform my son of what happened. So I didn't let him see the full video of what happened, but I did allow him to see some of it and then have that open dialogue. Cause they need to know they're seeing things, they're hearing things. Don't leave them in the dark. That was my third one. Don't leave them in the dark, you know. They gonna learn it from somewhere and it's better if they learn it from you, and then you get to have that open dialogue with them. So be present, be attentive, give them grace, and let them know what's going on.
1: That's wonderful advice. That's wonderful advice, and I'm sure we have a a lot of parents out there who needed to hear it. I have baby babies, so they don't know what's going on at all, so it hasn't been an issue for me as of yet, but I'm sure, you know, someone needed to hear that. Since I'm doing the podcast today, and I don't have nobody to buffer me, I'm just going to say what I want I hate when people tell African-American children that they look older. Like, no, my 12-year-old doesn't look older. He looks like a 12-year-old. But because he looks different from his Caucasian counterparts, he looks older. But that is what he's supposed to look like at 12. Like, if he's six foot one, that is what he looks like. Like, he doesn't look older. The girls don't dress fast. Like, you're over-sexualizing our African-American young men and young women. And I'm just happy I can get that off my chest. It's not our kids. It's not our DNA. It's your eyes. And I I said what I said. And I think that goes back to that uh, systematic racism that we see, you know, and how
3: they, they, they. I won't say, I don't know who they is, right? But how some people put our kids in a box, you know? And as parents, it's our job to take them out that box, to say, hey, it's okay to wear your hoodie, but when you, you know, get into a certain environment, make sure that you're being respectful. You know, like my son, he knows, unfortunately, that when we go into certain stores, you can't have your hoodie on. You're going to have to take it off, you know? And I think that as parents, it's sad, and that's what we talked about a little bit earlier with that racism, and then we think it's going to ever go away. I think it's sad that we have to do that but we have to protect them you know and this is the climate that we live in and if we don't protect them who will
1: and back to i'm running this podcast i say what i want she did not clarify who they are I am going to. It is racist people with fairer skin than mine. Let me be real clear on that. Now, I'm not talking about white people. I'm talking about racist white people. I'm not talking about Asians. I'm talking about racist Asians. And yes, I am also talking about racist black people and black people who are colorists. I said what I said. I am very much enjoying this. This might be my last episode, but I said it, and I stand on that. <laughs> I was about to they laugh and They laughing. Turn y'all mic on. They clapping, too. <laughs> not you, Andrea. Andrea, you are a professional. You keep your job, okay? Andrea is not laughing or clapping. She is very disappointed with what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> We did 10 and under. This is a very serious topic, but I just feel so free being in this environment with other women of color. And I'm just gonna say it because y'all need to know. And if we don't tell you, You will never know. And honestly, I'm a student. I don't even have a job right now, so I don't mind saying it. What do I have to lose? I'm not talking about all white people. There are white allies and I love them. I have plenty of white friends. I love my white people. I love my white allies. And we need you to move this movement forward. But I'm gonna call out them racist ones, y'all. If I don't do nothing else tonight, that's what I'm doing. But moving on. So you said how we explain to our children 10 and under. So can I get you to explain to the people how to explain what's going on in this world to our children who are older. They know better. They know a little bit about what's going on, or even they know a lot about what's going on, but they are still kids. Like your brain doesn't even develop until fully develop until you're in your twenties. So they think they understand. They may even understand, but as a parent how do you bring this to them when they come to you with questions as well That's a good question. I think just having open dialogue, they're aware, especially
3: due to the access. They have so much accessibility to so much nowadays. They sometimes know more than what we do. You know, for the older ones, like, you know, 12 on up, I have some nieces that are 12 and nephews that are 17. So they're well aware of what's going on in the climate. And if we don't let them know the truth behind it and give them the proper education behind it, then they're going to, you know, be left to their own devices and make up their own perceptions of how things are when it is not that completely. So I say talk to them, we have an open dialogue, you know, and I'm not specifically sure how the relationship might be between you and your child. If the relationship isn't good between you and your child, it might, or your teen or preteen or what may have you, it might be a little more challenging to have those open dialogues about what's going on in the world. But if the relationship is good and healthy, always encourage them to come talk to you if they ever have any questions. Watch the news together. Help them get involved in advocacy. Tell them or ask them, hey, I know you've been seeing everything that's going on. How do you feel about that? Let them tell you how they feel about that. But then once they tell you, ask them what are they going to do? Because they're the next generation. They need to be able Mm. to think about what are we going to do? How can we not allow this to become our future so that we don't have to protest the same thing y'all protesting? Like, let them take action. Give them a service project. I need I think service projects are sometimes just confined into an academic institution, but I really think it's bigger than that. Have service projects within your own home, you know, so how can we advocate together? One of my brothers took their sons on marching when everybody was marching for Black Lives Matter, you know, that he took them out there just so they could be a part of that movement. So ask your preteen or a teenager, how do they want to implement change in the generations to come? and then help them do that whether that's starting a podcast whether that you know connecting with other students in their area to maybe do some political and advocacy type things I don't think they're never too young to start so see how they can be a part of it allow their voice to be heard and tell them their voice matters especially within our our community allow them to know that their voice matters
1: wow 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 that's that's, that's great information. That's information I would have never considered, especially taking my child to see a protest live, like to participate. That is beautiful. And I commend your brother for doing something so brave. And I'm sure whether or not your nephew um, realized it now or later on down the, the line, I'm sure that's going to be very empowering for him. And I like how you said teach them so that they're not protesting the same thing that we are now. And I believe that's what frustrates so many people is that the things that like the police brutality, we can take that way back to Rodney King. Like y'all still doing this? Like still, like still, like for real, for real. Like, you know, and it's just like, same thing. People say what they want to say. Technically there's no proof. But with all these people getting lynched still, like, we still lynching people? Like, well, not we. I ain't lynching nobody. I'm already fired, it's fine, but you're still lynching people. Like, we're still advocating against stuff we've been doing for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Like, why, why? Also, since I'm fired anyway, have y'all seen the picture of Kamala Harris? She's walking in a blue suit and the shadow on the wall is is Ruby. Okay, all right, Cause See, I'm talking to some educated Black women on here. I love it. Okay, her mother just died let that sink in, her mother just died. Not a Ruby, Ruby's mother. So that should let you know how fresh this is. Like Ruby, y'all, uh, the little girl who wanted to go to the integrated school she was the first student, her mama just died. That means she's alive. That means the white people, if there's any hope for me savage in this, that means the racist people who objects at a child walking to school, they are still alive. Like, I want people to let that soak in because they always say, like, racism is dead. Slavery is over. Let it go. And it's just like, with things like this happening, you just can't deny racism and you can't deny systematic racism and you can't deny that it needs to change. And I know you said um you don't believe that it is ever going to change. And I I I, I I don't know. I just, I have to have some kind of hope that it's getting better and I hope my kids have a part in making it better for their kids and, and I, you know, I just gotta believe that it's getting better. But, like anything, for you to fix a problem you have to first acknowledge it and I just want that to be on people's minds. The little girl who first integrated schools, her mother has just passed and that is where I'm gonna leave it at today. I have in- enjoyed this podcast it may be my last one but baby when i tell y'all we went out with a bang andrea i don't know if you're gonna be invited back either but i vouch for you Liv, you have been quiet today so you may be the only person on the next podcast
2: (laughs) (laughs) i will definitely be back but real quick check out this commercial
0: hey what's going on ladies and gentlemen this is yours truly the relentless motivator k noel Hey, if you haven't heard yet, I need you to run over to the Pursuit of Passion Podcast with K-Noel and join me for a new episode every Thursday. I'm looking forward to you joining in with me as we're encouraging you for your journey. Hey, listen, we are all in this together and we can do this because we're all in pursuit of our passion. Again, my name is K-Noel and I am the Relentless Motivator. So, Like I said, I'm looking forward to you joining me on the podcast in pursuit of passion with K Noel. And we're going to have some we're going to have a good time. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to have some aha moments. So, hey, jump on over after you finish listening to In Between the Pages of Life. All right.
1: Now, before we close it out, I do want Andrea to give her final words to the people. I think she's a beautiful, intelligent soul, and um, I think we can learn more from her. So, go ahead and speak your piece.
3: Alright, so, let's just all bow for a word of prayer so that, you know, you guys, I was playing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I ain't being invited back, y'all. I'm just saying, I need to go out with a bang. (laughs) No, but... You (laughs) saw me over here, I'm But seriously, you guys, as we talked about like uh, racism, systematic racism, dealing with COVID, talking to your kids, it's so many different layers to everything that's going on in the world. Being a mother, being a wife, being a woman and what that looks like. Just take time to know the facts, practice self-care, and extend grace to others. Nobody's perfect, but God. So don't be so quick to judge. Listen to, understand not to respond and, you know, live out your life of kindness. And I think if we do that, we'll be where we need to be. So I will go ahead and pray. God, we thank you for this time. We ask that allow the listeners to continue to have an open heart and open mind towards the process of where they are, speak to them and help resolve any types of layers of traumas that they might have experienced. And even if it's generational trauma, we even speak to generational trauma. Father, we ask you to continue to heal, heal the wounds. Father, Allow them to seek help. Allow them to not just seek you, Father, but we know that you answer all prayers, but allow them to also seek additional help and reforms to like a counselor, support team or something of that nature. God, we praise you. We thank you for Nadia the Rose. We thank you for Liv. We even thank you for K-Noel and what they're doing on this platform. God, we bless you. And we give you um, all the glory and honor. Amen.
1: Amen. All right, that is a wrap for you guys. But before you turn off your radio, I have two special announcements. Number one, you guys, In Between the Pages of Life is now on Apple Podcasts. So you have one more way to listen to us. So you guys got to make sure you check that out. We are now on Apple after y'all we're official number two our second announcement the pursuit of passion podcast with k noel will be back on november 25th i know y'all like where is he at he is coming back so set your alarms november 25th he is gonna be back with another episode for you guys alright that is it andrea i have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation Liv, thank you for helping us host this podcast i hope that we have the pleasure to do this again And all my listeners, like Andrea said, be kind, be present. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of In Between the Pages of Life. To learn more about our podcast and view past episodes, visit RelentlessMotivationalGroup.com. You can also join us at anchor.fm slash pages of life. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at Relentless Motivational Group LLC. If you like what you've heard and want to help us improve, you can donate via the website or anchor page. Until next time, you guys.